1: It's Roxanne Durhaj with Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today, I have a colleague, Juliana Bootsman. Juliana and I actually belong to a same speaker's bureau, um, and we met probably about a month ago and realized we had this uh, luscious conversation about... um, Conscious leadership, which is the uh, the speaker's bureau that we belong to. So I guess the question becomes, what is conscious leadership? And I guess from my defi- definition, it's, it's about where you are aware about the presence that you're bringing into a situation as you lead from the micro level, from, you know the space that you are leading and what's uh, your frontwood facing customer gets all the way up to your senior leadership team or your CEO level so Juliana has um, you know started a business about over 10 years ago now and it's called white box leadership I'm going to talk a little bit about that title because I just listened to a, an amazing uh, video that where she explains it and Juliana um, Work. she's a chief spiritual officer. I love that title. So Juliana, thanks so much for being here today uh, to share your wisdom with my
0: audience. Thank you so much for having me, Roxanne.
1: So let's talk a little bit about Juliana. Like, you know, I, I always love the backstory about why, you know, today, you know, you're doing this amazing work um, in corporate culture. Um, what got you wanting to, to, get involved in conscious leadership
0: yeah well i I love how you started the conversation here right off right off the top this morning or whatever time anyone's listening to it but it's morning for us um but the you know we think about conscious leadership and what the word is and if you think about being conscious where that often takes us is the idea of being awake and um in you know there can be a lot of talk about woke people and so i'm not really going there but it's the idea of being awake And when we're awake, we're more aware when we're more aware of all that is going on in the situations that we're in, in the very present moment that we're in, we're able to respond in a way that comes from a higher level of wisdom, a higher level of um, deeper level of connection, and then ultimately create um, change, transformation, um, and just offer whatever is going to be of the highest good in that moment. And so that, that's really, you know, where, where this comes from for me. And so uh, my, my inspiration or my sort of calling to come into this work came from uh, my own, my own journey of, of becoming more conscious and awake to what's really going on in my own life. I, I like to say I have had four successful careers, but only one vocation and that vocation is to love. And when I went through and followed the thread of my life from starting out as my first passion, my first thing that there was no plan B, it was only a plan A and that was to be a professional dancer. Hmm. And so I pursued that. And I, I went with that. Um, I went and I met, I moved to New York and at that point started to meet all the fears, all the doubts, all that. I don't, I'm not, you know, how, where do I measure up against the rest? Lots of other backstory there. There's a um, I've got a chapter coming out in a book specifically with that story more there, but uh, you know, from there though, I went into, okay, what am I going to do now? If I'm not going to do it, be a dancer, where do I go now? And I ended up finding myself in PR and marketing and uh, or actually before that I went into dance and teaching dance. So I started, that was where really, for me, where the coaching began working with these young dancers, really able to see them beyond what it is that they do, as their craft, as their talent, which it would be dance, but into who they are at a soul level. And when I could work with them and see them and connect with them on that level, they were able to, um, improve and, and, and perform and, and, and show up at such a higher level without them actually having to train or practice anymore. It's like something activated in them, and I and one of my first experiences, I call it, like my first sort of God moment, was in that space of of dance where um, I was at a convention, and it was a you know there was a lot of dancers at this convention in LA, and people that I had you know I would look at and say they're way better than me, and so I kind of felt like I'm like you know I'm here, but I'm not really the best, and. Um, but I loved dance like it is it is an expression of my soul and my spirit. And so this one incredible choreographer was teaching us this routine, and it was my groups, like you know fifty of us at a time were were performing or getting to kind of do the routine, and I just had my back, we started with our backs to the stage um and I, in this giant ballroom in a hotel, and I just put my arms to my side, and I just said, Let it all go, just let yourself go completely.' And I let myself go completely into the music, into the routine, into all of it. And I moved and danced like I had never before. I had tears running down my face. My ballet teacher's on the side. She has tears running down her face. And I, the routine finished, I've never seen you move like that. So I've never felt myself move like that before. And so I didn't have to train harder. I didn't have to do anything more. All I needed to do in that moment was actually let go and connect into a true part of myself. And so there was a letting go, but a coming awake that allowed me to perform at a level that I couldn't reach otherwise. And so I, I, I took my, and I worked with my dancers that I worked with my students in that way. And then I went into PR um, and marketing and, and in there, the core of that work, which became like this common thread was, was to support people to live at the true expression of who they really are. So that's what happened to me in that moment at in this in this um, at this dance convention. It's what I did with my my students in dance when I worked with organizations in PR marketing communications. It was about getting to the core of who are you really, and how do I guide you to live in how do I support you to live in more authentically into that expression. But what happened in the PR and marketing communications, like I would do branding work and all of that, I loved it. Was really great at it, but um, The organizations, you know, that in a a company, making sure that you've got your marketing materials, making sure that you've got your branding right, making sure you've got the right tagline, um, we would create all of that and it would be authentic to who they really are based on what we were learning about them. But it was almost like we would jump ahead and and so it's like we gave them a fancy new coat and a new car and a new house, Mm -hmm. but the inner work wasn't being done within the organization, for them to actually know what it feels like to truly live that expression and not just look like it. And that's where it started to become out of alignment for me with, with just doing the PR and marketing. And I thought, and I, and by that point I already knew I am a coach and my gift is to be able to see people at the level of their soul and spirit and draw that out and work with them from the inside out, not from the outside in. So I had to get myself, I had to be honored that truth in myself. And that's where I shifted my company into primarily, um, the conscious, conscious leadership work. And, uh, and by that really supporting people to always, you know, leave better than they came, but really live into that true expression, true essence of who they are. And I believe when we do that, we then show up with the full authentic, true data of what's true for us. And we're able to then gather that from the world around us. And then we can create what is highest and best and good for, for then the extending community outside of our organizations, outside of who we are as individual leaders. Um. So, yeah, so that's a bit of the. Well, and that's longer, that, you know, I, know, I, love, I love what you said. It's,
1: it's letting go and being awake. Right. Yes. So try to explain that a little bit more. Cause I, I, I know what that is because of course, mm-hmm. when I coach and, you know, and work with people. I understand that. For, but for the average person that may be listening, that doesn't have that sense of yeah, what that uh, is. Try to, if we can break it down in some way, because it's it's. I would say it's a somatic experience.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it's a and and it's an alignment with that truest sense of who you are meant to be. Yes. Not who you think you should be, or what you're needing to project out to be, but yeah. just that sense that. I often say it's like. I'm in that space of perfectness that I was, I came into the world as, and then I touched that.
0: Yeah. I think one of the feelings or the experiences that we strive to be able to operate in is that of flow. And so, and, and, and I think freedom is one of a top value for, for many. And so, especially people who are entrepreneurs or leaders, you know, often why you get into it is because what you desire is a sense of freedom. You want to be able to sort of, be in control, but also have freedom. So it's this paradox of, of creating, um, a, an environment and creating a place where we are free and being able to have a sense of control within those moments. And so being, when we talk about being in flow, one of the, one of the, um, analogies or whatever that comes up for me is, uh, I had a a friend of mine who's, who's a leader that I work with. Tell me about a story where she um, was whitewater rafting and had fallen out of the boat and was in the rapid and she was in the rapid, but she was trying to like grip and control. And, and, you know, like, and, and what was happening when she was doing that was it was actually causing her to be drawn, pulled under. And so what she had to do to be in the flow of everything that was happening in this moment was actually let go, Mm -hmm. let go be in a total place of like rest and let that, let what was happening around her move with her. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, she could then float more. She could be able to really quickly see and respond to what she needed to rather than trying to grasp for things. And as we move through our world, there is a lot of moving parts happening around us all the time. Mm -hmm. within ourselves, within our families, within our businesses, within just the nature and the world around us that is not in our control. And our highest ability to be able to respond rather than react to things is to come from this state of rest and letting go. So it's like, which is a
1: state that I think a lot of people are chasing though, Juliana, because Yeah. You know, if, you think, if you think of, you you know, we, we were just chatting before we got online yeah. about the concept of love versus fear. So let's talk a little bit about that because ultimately we know how little control we really have over things. And it's about a getting to a pace of acceptance that yeah. um, we can only do what we can do. And then we have to let go in order to experience things. Right. So I think of when I lived, I'll give you an example. When I learned to dive, I love, I'm from Trinidad, and Tobago, love you know, grew up in the Caribbean Sea, beautiful, love the water. But my thing was um, when you learn to dive, guess what? You lose sensation, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to take off, you know, my mask, right? When for most of us, if you think about what we take in internally, that visual is the protective lens that most human beings have. Well, I I thought I love the water. There's no way I'm going to, I took off my my mask, and I was in a 10-foot pool, I kept flying up, flying up, because I was so petrified. And I'll never forget what my instructor said to me. He said, it'll be okay so long as your regulator, which is the thing that you use to breathe, stays in your mouth. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I thought, now I'm still freaking out because I can't see a thing, but I listened to his words, which was, just breathe. And then I finally, I mean, got over the fear because I had lost that sensation. And then I was able to to follow instruction because if not, I was completely in fear mode. And so I was panicking and that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Um, You know, but I know you and I bringing it back to what we were talking about. You and I were just talking a little bit about love yeah. Um, in business. And I want to talk a little bit between the polarities between fear and love. And as human beings, the space that we go into as human beings and how we interface with the world and how you as a um, spurt- chief spiritual officer, how do you kind of use that word of love, which oftentimes in corporate <laughs> environments, it's kind of like, that's a little bit woo woo. So tell me a little bit about that concept of love. Yeah.
0: Well, um, I, I see love as one of the most, um, powerful resources that we have accessible to us and it's accessible to everybody. And it's often, I think one of the most underutilized or un- misunderstood of how to actually use it and, and what do we mean? So we're talking about, um, like companionate love. We're talking about, um, like compassion and empathy and, and care. And if we think about, um, You know the places that we do truly love something, there's an expansiveness to it. There's a desire for something to thrive. There's a a natural instinct to give rather than to take. And so by that, it's this outpouring. And so when we feel ourselves in a state of love um, about anything, it is there's um, it's expansive. It are what happens. And so sometimes I like to go into science and like, when we think of just like a biologically what begins to happen within the cells of our body. So we can take it outside of uh, as a chief spiritual officer, sometimes that can um, take people into the place of religion or whatever. But what we're really talking about here is an alive spirit. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And if we look at um, like sports teams, or I think about like my children's schools, or I think about even a, a city and we have like spirit days, and we talk about like, you know, we want the spirit of some place to be like high and good. That's what we're talking about. And when our spirit is alive and high, our ability to engage from a very expansive and open place, where if we think about even like the cells in our body, they're now not constricted. And then you brought it back to your breath. And so that's, you know, like just, you're okay. You're going to breathe. And so when we are connected into a place where our spirit is alive, our breath actually becomes more fluid, less constricted, and our breath is our life force. And so really, one of the teachings that I use in the work that I do in all of the teach corporate leadership and and conscious leadership I do, I integrate and support us to be paying attention awake to our breath, Um, because we want our, our system, our physical body to be functioning as freely with as much ease as possible. Um, we want it to be well and healthy. And in order to do that, we need to be able to be in a place that is light. Right. And, and like so with heart
1: rate variability too, right? The study yeah. with the heart Math Institute, um, you know, they, they, t- they show about resonance, right? So like how, when you put people in attunement that are in a meditative state Obviously, we we lower it and we drop down into that essence. Versus, if you you know look at people that are in stress states, how yes. you know they they're they're kind of out of resonance with their heartbeat. And then when you put people that are kind of you know, if you and I were to say even meditate online, even on because we're not physically together, yeah. we can we can align heart to heart, which impacts your, your, our hearts to be able to be more rhythmic together. So it's, it's fascinating what you're saying. It's so huh. true. But again, from a corporate perspective, oftentimes you'll hear people say, it's tactical, it's bottom line. We have to report to the board. We have our you know our key performance indicators. We're off track and people go into fear, which becomes more, more KPI driven, which is we're off track versus going into the space that you're talking about. So let's talk a little bit about when you work um, with leaders or, or uh, different environments, how is it that you decide if they're ready to do some of this work? Let's say you get a call like I do. And, you know, people are saying they want certain things. How do you kind of assess whether the readiness for someone to kind of enter into this work with you, Juliana?
0: It comes from the leadership. If the leadership has a connection and a, and a, and a draw to wanting to, to caring for the well-being of the people in the organization. And so um, when I think about love in leadership and what is love, it's the long-term care, um, care and concern for the well-being of others. Mm-hmm. So it's not just this, just for this moment or this project. With the people in your organization, you're looking for long-term sustainability here. You're looking for legacy. You're wanting to see and have an organization that is well and um, all, in all ways, purpose, profit, performance, um, people, all of it. And so if that matters to you, then we have to look at the, at the whole um, person. Mm-hmm. And, if the, and I, I often say the work of a chief spiritual officer is about keeping the lights on. <laughs> and that's the light of the people within your organization
1: the spiritual light tapping the light within your
0: people is dim or, 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 or constricted or flickering your organization, your keep are eventually going to be affected. And sometimes you can jimmy up all sorts of hot cords and you can find all sorts of ways to like, keep those lights on and you can do, and at some point it's going to just short circuit.
1: So tell me about a scenario that maybe you've come across and, and of some of the things that um, has not go, gone well with some organizations that they want, they want this, but maybe they're, maybe they're a bit too hasty and they try to implement some of these things and they fall flat. Do you have any scenarios or situations that maybe you've come across in your time working with some organizations to
0: share Yeah. I think sometimes what happens in the, in situations where it doesn't, um, where it's like, we want it, we kind of, it's, it's that, um, it's like, I want to, I want to uh, run that marathon, but I, but it's, I want it now. Like I want to just get up and and go and do it. It's the long-term, um, commitment and, and connection, to being able to continue to nurture it and to connect into it. And so it's where they're looking at it from a place where it's just like, um, let's bring in the speaker or the person or the thing. And like, we're just going to do this one program. And then all of a sudden everything's going to like, this is going to work. They're not looking at it from a perspective of how do we build this into the operations of our company?
1: Right. So they're looking at a, almost like a, like a putting a a bandaid on, on potentially what the issue is instead of backing up and saying, well, we're having maybe more conflict or maybe we're missing deadlines. Let's just do a time management thing or whatever. Just kind of looking, backing up and saying, you know, why is it not working well? What's happening? Who are your new people who have left? There's hybrid, there's remote, there's in-person. There's so many moving parts to your point. And if you just kind of create a solution, it might address it, you know, in the interim for a short period of time. And then of course it's going to often say it bubbles up but it might show itself in a different packaging.
0: Yeah, yes, and so, and so, from, and so that is why the work that I do um, is really working with organizations to building this into the operations of your organization. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what um, has often sort of been historical in um, when we're doing the inner work of the organization or call it professional development or whatever that is, is it's like one-off courses that people will go to and they'll help and they'll do something good and you can get a lot of good from it. But for long-term integration and change that really sticks, we know through so many examples, whether it's, you're trying to make a, like a, um, you know, a lifestyle change within your exercise or your diet or whatever, it's the, it's being able to connect into what is actually true for us as an organization, who we are. And how do we continue to know that we're looking for? We're this is this is an ongoing thing, and so I work with companies to be able to go and assess and sort of audit them from like I call uh, I call it like an energy audit almost. Or it's like a like a life force audit. Where is the life force of your organization right now? And what's it operating at? And what's going to work best for the rhythm of your organization, for the rhythm and the and of who your people really are. And then we create and we adapt it for that because you want this to be able to be just now a part of how your company breathes. We bring it back. So, so do you
1: do it at every level when you do the assessment? Are you starting with senior leadership, kind of uh, middle management, frontline, and kind of the interface with the front foot facing customer? Are you doing it at that level? Every level, because like to your point, you have to start at the most senior level because you could, you know, you can address uh the middle management, you know, implications. But if you don't have the flow from what's coming from the very top to the, you know, kind of the main engine, which is your middle managers, that's that's, you know, it's going to be going to buck against each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. So ideally, that's what we do is we we then get to take a cross section, depending on the size of the organization, and really kind of look at what's really happening here where is everybody really at and so um we open up and do like a full um conversation with as many people from the organization from different parts that are willing to have the conversation with us and from there we get to really hear What you know, Brene Brown says, um, connection is to be seen, heard, and valued. So that's the first step that we do is we make sure that we see, hear, and that the people within the organization are valued. And then, based on what we actually hear from them, we respond with, "We've heard what you've shared, and here's how we're responding, and this is what we're integrating into this program." Um, that is, that is uh, customized for the organization. It becomes their conscious leadership program. And the results of what we've seen in the program that we've put through, um, there's one company that I have as a global organization. So we're working with people in, from all over the world. So I've got people in my program from Spain and Italy and um, across the states and different parts of Canada, in um, Ireland and just all over the world. And what I find so incredible is that there actually isn't that much difference between what we're all dealing with. Mm -hmm. It comes down to the same things of, um, of like feeling of burnout, feeling of, am I worthy? Um, feeling of, uh, the desire to want to be able to always do more of perfectionism, just all of these things of, you know. Simple things of just like physically, I'm not taking care of myself well enough. Spiritually, I'm not attending to myself. It's so much of the same things that show up. But what ends up happening is through the program that we created for this organization and that we create for the organizations that's rooted in um in all of the elements of consciousness and compassion, empathy, love, um, and how to just be able to a high level of self-awareness, emotional intelligence is the environment that they're working in hasn't changed, but their ability to respond to the environment has changed. And as a result, they feel less stressed. They feel more capable. They genuinely feel happier. The connections amongst the people in the organization, even though so many of them are working virtually in different parts has, has gotten better because they're connecting with people through even the programming. They have common language to use. They feel seen and heard in an organization that they don't feel alone in the fact that, Oh, we actually want to operate from a place of love too. And um, these are the things that matter to us. And, and I can't believe I work in an organization that also cares about these things. It's sort of like this unspoken goodness. Right. What are bringing to the surface? Cause we're all just getting the work done. This was such a great interview that we decided to turn it into a two part
1: series. Be sure to tune in next week for part two so you don't miss out on the amazing content.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhaj.com blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.